Well, here we are right in the middle of Luke. And uh, gosh, we kind of got bogged down in Luke 12 and 13, and it's taken a while to slug through some of this section. And I wonder if we're feeling just a little bit like maybe some of those that were walking along with Jesus at the time as he was heading to Jerusalem, because of the very question that's asked in our text here, it seems as though maybe someone uh, uh, looked around and they thought, well, it seems like the crowds have been slimming out a little bit. And, you know, it's getting a little harder to make it to Jerusalem. And, uh, and the resistance that they were finding as they got out of Galilee area and into Jerusalem was increasing. And so I wonder if it sparked some internal questions like, well, Jesus, if you've got such a great thing going, why are so few buying what you're selling? Or maybe the question was, more like this, even from the disciples. Jesus, how successful is your mission going to be? And so someone in that crowd throws out another question to the rabbi, and they said it this way, Lord, maybe looking at the group around Jesus, who knows, but said, will only a few be saved? And the question itself seems a bit vague. How many is a few? And what does it mean to be saved anyway? And then Jesus clears it all up in this characteristic fashion. He tells a parable and, uh, about a door that is narrow. And he says to go in by the way of the narrow door. And this is a Greek word that gives us our term, and some of you will be able to relate to this, stenosis, or narrowing. Many of us with back issues can relate all too well to stenosis. Well, the door likely refers to a small entryway within the larger door of a house or a courtyard and so if you could imagine that outer courtyard that had a large door in which you could bring in the animals or the carts for the animals. But for normal use, family and friends and guests would enter through a smaller door. And, and uh, maybe that door, in fact, as this was true at times, characteristic in the first century, was inset inside the larger door. Or at the very least, it was separate from this larger main door. And so Jesus is saying, a time will come when the owner of the house will swing the narrow door shut. That's what our text says. And I would suspect when the door is closed at night, there were no street lamps. There were no car headlights. The door was closed for the night. And it was dark on the street. And so to open the door at that point was to put everyone at risk. The door would stay shut. At least until the next morning. 
And that's not going to please those who are on the outside. And as the text indicates, they banged on the door. They tried to explain who they are and give justification for why the door should be open to them. And I would have to say it's not a particularly happy scene. In fact, it's a parable. But there is this sobering confrontation that Jesus gives. And so finally the homeowner bluntly replies in verse 26, I don't know you. And uh, those who were on the outside said, yeah, you know us. We ate with you. Don't you remember that dinner party together? We drank with you. We were at the same party, remember? Plus, we heard you teach, and you came through our town. Maybe you even spoke at our synagogue. And then the homeowner sends this stinger. You don't know the first thing about me. Get away from me, all you evildoers and all you unrighteous people. I'm sorry, I should have done that just a little bit different with the text. I saw you moving your eyes up to see the text there, but I want you to see that everything I'm saying here is plainly outlined in this parable. While we didn't reread that text again, this is exactly the interchange that occurred. So on the outside, people are crying, and the text says, grinding their teeth with anguish and sorrow. And then to add insult to injury, they can see inside the house. It's like this is one of those glass houses. Okay, windows all around this place. And inside the house, is that Abraham? And there's Isaac, and there's Jacob, and the prophets, and all their heroes of the faith, and fathers in the faith, along with all these other races and nations of the world from the four corners of the earth, the parable says, from north, from east, from, from uh, west, from south, they're streaming in and they're taking their place at the banquet table. They're celebrating with the banquet host, all peoples from all part of history. Now, if you're hearing this, Jesus, the one little question, are only a few going to be saved? That was their question. And Jesus tells this parable, and you have this multi generational. Israelite thinking to himself this has taken a bizarre turn you see the Israelites were the called people of God and they're finding themselves shut out and instead pagans from all over the world are being being welcomed in. And the reversal would have been shocking to those original hearers as it is to us. 
even again this morning. The upside down kingdom strikes again. It's a parable, but with a very personal bite. I think first of all we could look at this parable. I'm kind of working from the outside in a little bit in terms of, of, of reversing, in fact, the flow of the text. I want to make this point that God's salvation, and this comes out very plainly in this parable, has a universal scope. In fact, Jesus was asked that question, if a few will be saved, and Jesus does not say that only a few will be saved, though he does say that many will be shut out. Think about that one. And then he teaches that people are going to show up from everywhere and this, that this salvation coming from east, west, north, and south sounds very similar to Psalm 107.3, those he gathered from the lands from the east and west, from the north and south, gathered the redeemed of Yahweh. And then the narrow gate, the stenosis gate, certainly conveys that there is no automatic entry. While the house is huge, remember the passage in John, in my father's house, are many rooms. The door is narrow. And remarkably, many who think they are in are on the out and will stay there. Try this thought experiment for just a moment with me. Let's say that you have no real hunger for the things of God. For the kingdom of God. And such things. You lack any real thirst. For the host. The king himself. What do you expect? Do you simply get to be ushered into the eternal life of God against your own interests and will? Against your own pursuits and in against your own desires? Again, I'm assuming you're relatively indifferent to the things of God. Now God is crazy about you. But what is he to do? I see a narrow gate pre-selects. It narrows the field. In a sense, there's an application fee. It clears out those who just want something completely free from God without expectations or even interest. 
Everything in our story tells us that the road to the cross is more costly than that. The way of Jesus is through a door only God opens. But you must enter. You must make a choice. On this narrow door, there's no handle on the outside. It opens only from the inside. God opens it. God shuts it. Not only is it narrow, at some point it will be closed, locked. The offer expires. It's for a limited time only. Mind picking that up? Thanks. Find out who's calling. Uh, Okay, the question gets asked, and Jesus answers once again in a different way than was to be expected. And here's what I think the text is driving at. The question is asked, will the saved be few? And Jesus turned the question around. Will the saved be you? Or will you be among the saved? He does it again. He's done it several times with this sort of strange reversal in this section. The salvation seems to be be this place of God's future blessing and God's heavenly banquet. Obviously a place where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob could be. The scholar Jeremiah described it this way. What is going to happen for those who are shut out? And I really like this phrase. Sometimes the language of heaven doesn't really resonate all that with me and the language of paradise and even the language of heavenly banquet. I read it all over scripture, but I don't know that I can kind of really connect all that well. But Jeremiah describes it this way. To miss out is the irrevocable loss of opportunity. To miss out on a future with God is to limit your life to the here and now rather than all that God would like to create in you and with you and for you in the world to come. And then our text very clearly says that this salvation involves a relationship. That's why the text says, the host says to those who will not be let in, I don't know you. I don't know you. Think in this text. Jesus is once again asking us to look at ourselves. Two weeks ago it was the case when he said, hey, repent. You need to repent. You need to change or be destroyed. 
And yet, I was talking with someone in the last week or so, and they said, you know, I think it is so difficult for us to do self-reflection. We resist it. And here it's being invited once more. There's one command in the passage. One response initiated by Jesus. And whatever we hear, whatever we question, whatever we're paying attention to this morning, I want you to hear this in verse 24. He said to them, make every effort. to enter through the narrow door. The word is to strain, to strive. It's where we get the word agonize. It describes the effort of athletes in competition straining toward the goal. Training, discipline, choices, continually striving, it's the word where we see in our Bible where it says fight the good fight or wrestle in prayer or as I'd like to say it this morning, strain every nerve to enter. Now all this seems to hint at the fact that somehow we save ourselves, which we know that that's not true, that that is inconsistent with the whole story of Scripture. God saves us. We cannot save ourselves. But let's put it this way. Who is the host? Who provides the door? God. Who opens the door? God. Who provides the house? The Lord. It's the Lord who saves. However, our work, our part is not a waste. It is not unimportant. Scripture from Peter to Paul to Revelation hammers out the importance of responding to the grace that God is extending. Obedience, struggle, growth, focusing on God's plan and our part in it. So the invitation this morning is to look at ourselves. It still seems to me that even for many among us, there is so little spiritual effort. I'm not trying to scold. It's just an observation. I think Jesus very well might say the same. How much of our time and our priorities and our energies are about planning eternal life with the Holy God? How much love for Him and His kingdom? And again, if you care so little, God surely will honor your will.
I'm going to read this passage from the message. Give you one final thought. Text says, a bystander said, Master, will only a few be saved? And he said, whether few or many is none of your business. Isn't the text telling us that? Now this is an interpretation by Eugene Peterson, but I think he got it right. Put your mind on your life with God. That's the point. The way to life to God is, I use the word strain, he uses the word vigorous and requires your total attention. A lot of you are going to assume that you'll sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your lives. Well, one day, you're going to be banging on the door wanting to get in. But you'll find the door locked and the master saying, sorry, you're not on the guest list. But why God? And God turns it around again. Not why, but what about you? So I leave you with this summary. While the grace of God is always free, straining every nerve for God's way is both a rewarding and costly pursuit. That's the invitation today. And I hope it stirs your heart, kind of regardless of where you are in your faith walk. I hope it will even prompt a response where you'll say, I got to get going. I got to make some changes. I got to sort this out. I got to come to some conclusions. I got to make a determination whether I'm going to walk with him to Jerusalem or not. And I want you to know that all of us are in the same caravan with many of the same struggles. Some of us a little farther along. And we'd love to help you with that journey.